Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Brodo Fantasy Podcast. I am your host, Tim Petropolis, here with the only two twins that are thankful for being fantasy beasts. I'm thankful for the Monday Night Football game that we watched yesterday. That's what I'm thankful for. For real, for real. Jason? I'm thankful for the combination of turkey stuffing and cranberry sauce. I'm thankful for the 206 points that I laid on Jason in the Brodo League yesterday. Yay, yay! And with that... We're going to go into the waivers today because it's a little bit early, and we're going to get to three Thanksgiving games. So we got a special episode of Broda for you, just for you guys. A regular episode coming next, uh, coming on Wednesday. But until then, let's get it started with this one right now. Yo, Jason, man. How, how you feeling? How you feeling, dog? I beat Jason 200. <laughs> I, th- I thought you stopped the podcast and asked me how I'm feeling. I was like, why? Do I not look okay? <laughs> After that beating I gave you last night, you didn't look okay? Listen, <laughs> you, could, you could have been facing anyone on the schedule the week you put up 208. What am I supposed to do about it? I'm I, Nothing, but I get to gloat. And I enjoy it very much because (laughs) I I can't say anything. I'm not gonna lie. (laughs) Sometimes you don't got the right to speak. Well, if you don't want to put up 87 on your leagues next week, uh, we're gonna go into the waivers. This is something rarely that we do because we record on Wednesdays, but we're recording on Tuesday today. So if you happen to catch us on Tuesday night, uh, we are going to be able to tell you about the waivers. And we have a big waiver week this week. A lot of guys that could turn into something. Uh, special going forward. So uh, let's start. Let's go position by position. And by the way, if you want to see these in person, BrotoFantasy.com is the place to go to find it. Also at BrotoFantasy on Twitter uh, if you want to follow us and get some updates about this stuff. But uh, let's go into Michael and Jason's rankings for this week. I'm actually on the website right now getting this. Um, so their number one pickup this week is no surprise, Josh Reynolds, also the number one wide receiver, number one overall pick. Uh, why do you guys think Josh Reynolds is the guy? I mean, Josh Reynolds stepped in for Cooper Cup yesterday, and we saw what he did. Six receptions, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Basically, a Cooper Cup-esque game. And uh, as we know, in a Sean McVay offense, they spread the ball around. Cooks and Woods also had very solid fantasy games. And we've seen Cup, Woods, and uh, – Cooks going into this week, we're all top 15 receivers. So, I mean, I don't expect Josh Reynolds to put up the same numbers as Cooper Cup. That would just be stupid. He's not the same caliber wide receiver. But I could see him putting up weekly wide receiver three numbers the rest of the year. Flex at the lowest. Jason? Yeah, I'm going to touch upon someone else on our rankings, our second tight end this week as well, while I'm talking about Reynolds. Gerald Everett is someone that, uh, needs to be given a little respect. If you look at what's been going on the last few games, uh, he caught a two-point conversion, a touchdown, and then two touchdowns yesterday. And I know you might be like, all right, a two-point conversion. So what? It's only two points. The point being that he's getting a red zone role. He's getting red zone looks from Jared Goff. So when you look at Josh Reynolds, a lot of what Cooper Cup, what made Cooper Cup so good is his red zone prowess in that offense. And we've seen Reynolds take over a lot of it. He had two touchdowns. Last time Cup missed an entire game, he had uh, the great game yesterday. He's not going to see as many targets as Cup. He might not see as many red zone targets as Cup. But that doesn't mean he still can't be a successful wide receiver three. And even if uh, he puts up 60% of Cup's numbers and Gerald Everett puts up 40% of Cup's numbers, you're still going to have a wide receiver three and back end tight end one. Yeah, especially with the tight end landscape the way it is. I like Josh Reynolds. It is important to know that he's on a bye this week. So we like him as the number one wide receiver and the number one player overall, even though he's on a bye. That's how you know how valuable he's going to be. I also think last time when he filled in for Cooper Cup, he was pretty good. And this time he's going to be part a significant part of the offense. Sean McVay said it himself that he's a starting caliber player and he's going to put everything that Cooper Cup had on his shoulders. So uh, I like the move uh, as that being the number one pickup. Let's go to the number two pickup for you guys. Gus Edwards, the out of nowhere uh, Baltimore Raven running back who took the job from Alex Collins after Alex Collins rushed in for a touchdown. Um, what? Do, why do you guys like Gus Edwards going forward? There's nothing not to like about Gus Edwards. The only concern is whether he's going to get the playing time or not. But at this point, week 12, that's a chance you need to take if you have a number one waiver pick or if you have 
a good amount of fab left because he can be a strong running back too the rest of the season if he's the running back that Baltimore decides to use. Uh, very efficient, 115 yards on 17 carries, I think. Also scored a touchdown. Uh, John Harbaugh said he took the bull by the horns, called him a bruiser back that they don't really have. So Harbaugh, without even being asked, basically said that uh, Edwards is a running back that is unique to the team. So that's always good to hear. If you look at Baltimore's upcoming schedule, Oakland, Atlanta, KC, Tampa Bay, Chargers. The Chargers are the only team on that list not in the bottom 10 in points allowed to running backs. If Edwards is the guy in Baltimore, you're going to have a running back too the rest of the season. Does the return of Joe Flacco scare you at all, Michael? Uh, Not necessarily. The thing – I mean, it does a little bit, which is why I put Josh Adams ahead of Gus Edwards personally. I Gus Edwards, in week six, we saw him get 10 carries uh, and for 42 yards and then not get a carry the next game, which seems like it might – I mean, I, people are saying that, oh, he had 10 carries in week six. Maybe that's – who knows if he's going to keep playing. It could just be game script. They just want to mix it up with Lamar Jackson. He, he worked better in the option offense that they were running. But the, that, the last time he had 10 carries was a game they won 21-zip. So they had that game well in hand, and they were just rolling him out there. This was completely different. They were losing to Cincinnati, and he came out and – Still got all the work and ran like a beast with 115 yards on 17 carries. Had the rushing touchdown. They gave it to him when they needed a two-point conversion, and he rushed it in. So, I mean, Alex Collins is someone who's been on the decline basically all season. Uh, people, There were a lot of people condoning going to trade for Alex Collins because of his end-of-season schedule, and I was just not even close to one of those guys because I just don't want to trade for – mediocre football players just because they're in a good spot that doesn't mean they're going to perform and this i mean it's this is a nightmare come true for alex collins owners one of the reasons why i was so low on alex collins coming into the year is because look his contract is a contract of a guy who got picked up uh as a throwaway from another team like he's not getting paid so uh he can be replaced at any time and this is Totally the MO of the Ravens. They've been doing this for the last few years, just recycling running backs. Uh, one thing that does worry me, though, is if Flacco comes back, I feel like Alex Collins doesn't fit the type of role that you need to play when your quarterback is Lamar Jackson. Now, does Gus Edwards fit that role to a T? No, he doesn't either. But he fits it better than Alex Collins does. And so as long as... Lamar Jackson is in there. I think you got to take a chance. And they, I think they would have, if you, if they're going to play Lamar Jackson, why only play him for one week? You know what I mean? Like, I think Flacco's going to, it's going to be more than one week. So let's take a look at it. Uh, personally, like Michael, I prefer Josh Adams in Philly. He got 53% of the snaps. Uh, clearly the lead back out there in Philadelphia in a great chance to succeed. Uh, I love me some Josh Adams. I think that he's my number two and my number one running back personally. So, Jason, why do you why do you think Josh Adams take is a bit a bit of a tier below Gus Edwards? I just don't see the upside there. I mean, I have him as my second running back. He comes in a fifth overall. We like him. He should be on a team, but it's just not someone that I'm taking over Edwards if I had the choice. Uh, I mean, he had ten touches last week, even playing fifty three percent of the uh, snaps. He, it's just not a backfield that you see people getting a lot of touches. Even last year when Ajayi was uh, emerging as the best back to own there, he wasn't seeing more than 15 touches a game. So there is room to be productive with 10 to 15 touches in the Eagles offense, but I'd rather take a chance on a guy who could see 20 carries a game with Baltimore's rest of season schedule. See, now this is where we differ as to why I have Adams ranked higher than Jason does. Philly is now four and six, if I'm not mistaken. They are absolutely win out or you're out of the playoffs. They're in that zone. And this isn't people will say, oh, Philly doesn't use one running back. But look, last year when they had Jay Ajay, Darren Sproles, Corey Clement, Wendell Smallwood, they were all running good. So there was no reason to not use all four of those guys at the best of their ability with fresh legs. This year, their running game is doing nothing. Josh Adams has clearly been ahead of the pack the last few weeks. And if, they, if they're going to go on a six-game winning streak, they're going to need someone to step up in that backfield. So I think Josh Adams has a clear path to a lot more work. And 
if he has a bad game or two, he could just be just right back into a three-man committee. But if he has a solid game this weekend, I could see him being very effective the rest of the season. Uh, two rookie wide receivers that really took the next step, in my opinion, Traycon Smith and DJ Moore are the consensus number three and four. Uh, DJ Moore's going to be harder to get. He's in 40%, owned in 40% of leagues. But Traquan Smith, after putting up that donut, uh, he's only owned in 27% of leagues. Uh, who do you guys prefer rest of season, DJ Moore or Traquan Smith? Uh, I prefer DJ Moore because of his ridiculously great playoff schedule. Uh, I was saying that he could be a sneaky season uh, league winner a, a few weeks ago when we were discussing him. And last week he blew up, out-targeted Devin Funches, put in work, scored a touchdown with over 150 yards. And uh, Traycon Smith, yes, he had a glorious game this weekend, no denying that. Shout-out to Jason for calling that because of the Tedkin at-home role. But that's why I am lower on Traycon Smith because when he is on the road, just as Ted Ginn was, he's basically disappearing. So until that changes, you can't trust him at all in any road games. I mean, with that being said, though, his playoff schedule, he's playing the Steelers at home in the championship, and he's got the Buccaneers on the road. I know it's on the road, but he's got the Buccaneers on the road. He's got the Panthers on the road, both beatable, both beatable opponents. I just I don't think I don't think his is that bad, but yeah, DJ Moore is, is outstanding. I mean, yeah, that's why I have Traquan Smith over someone. I'm just gonna get into the next guy, Kiki QT. I have Smith over him, uh, which was very tough for me to do just because of Smith's blow up potential with Drew Brees, as we saw this week. But I love me some Kiki QT. I've stashed him in three different leagues going into coming into this week. Uh, he came out last week, had nine targets, had over a 30% target share, had 70 yards receiving, and he just continues to be he, – he just stepped right back in to the role he had as the slot guy. DT had one – was it one target the whole game, I believe it was, last week? Zero. Yeah. Zero. Zero. And QT gets the Jets in week 15, a team that we know gets absolutely crushed by slot receivers. If you want to look forward to – the semifinals matchup in your league. So Kiki QT is definitely someone you should keep an eye on as well. Uh, let's go over to the tight ends. Cameron Brait. Uh, we already talked about Gerald Everett. Cameron Brait, hey, Jameis Winston comes back, which is also on this list, Jameis Winston. Whenever he's, whenever a Buccaneers quarterback is playing, then he's going to have some kind of fantasy value because all they do is throw. Um, Cameron Brait loves getting thrown to by Jameis Winston. Uh, you saw it last year. You saw it this year while he was in. And O.J. Howard – Breaking news just went on the IR, so it's going to be Brait's show. Uh, you need to blow some some fab on this guy if you need a tight end because here is a tight end one, maybe a tight end top six tight end for the rest of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, I'm going to hop in since Michael decided to talk about all the wide receivers without me. Uh, <laughs> you could have jumped in at any moment. So I'm going to talk about Cameron Brait here. Uh, we have him. In as our seventh player, looking at it now with the news that O.J. Howard is out the year, I'd probably jump him to number four on our list right behind, uh, maybe even three, right behind D.J. Moore, Reynolds, and Edwards. That's how high I am on break for the rest of the year. If you are looking for a tight end one, if you've been struggling at tight end all year, Cameron Brait is the solution to your problems. If you're just a tight end away from being a championship team, congratulations. Spend your fab on him. Pick him up with your number one wave of priorities. Uh, Jameis Winston has been 100% better his entire career when targeting tight ends over wide receivers. We've seen in the past Cameron Bray be a tight end one with Jameis Winston. The The Bucks are a pass-first team that have produced QB1s every week. Even when they're getting benched, the backup's coming in, and combined they produce QB1 numbers. So there's a lot to go around in Tampa Bay. Cameron Bray is now the only tight end there. He doesn't have to deal with O.J. Howard when they've been cannibalizing each other all year even though recently it's been mostly Howard. Cameron Braid's going to step in and be a tight end one this season for the rest of the time. You need him on your team. Uh, anyone else you guys want to talk about on these waivers? Uh, who else do we got? I think we – do we get through everyone? We got almost everyone. I think you guys got uh, Curtis let me Samuel. Just, I run through a couple guys. Uh, Curtis Samuel for super deep leagues. He scored at least nine half PPR points in four of his last seven games. So he's been a solid contributor. And then if you look at the quarterbacks, uh, as I just mentioned, Tampa Bay quarterbacks are always a QB1, whether it's one of them or combined. 
and uh, Dirk Cutter would be extremely ridiculed if he went back to Fitz. So it seems like Winston is safe from being benched. He should be a quarterback one more weeks than none. And the last one, Michael's going to love this. Michael didn't even rank him because he refused to condone Lamar Jackson. The way I look at it, the way Michael looks at it is he put up 115 rushing yards and still couldn't be a QB1. The way I look at it is he didn't throw or rush for a touchdown and put up 16 points. So there is upside, but also bust potential. It's the first game. Listen, but if you want to start a quarterback, you start a quarterback, he gets 120 rushing yards, and he's not even a QB1. If Cam Newton did that, he ended like 45 points. I'm, I'm not starting a guy. Good. I'm not starting a quarterback that needs 100 rushing yards to be fancy relevant. I mean, he does on, say that. It's crazy. Theo Riddick could be in a, for a very nice uh, game this week without on Johnson playing on a short week. Should be super involved. So keep an eye on him. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt for the deepest leagues, standard mainly because he may find the end zone, but I don't like it really. And then Jalen Rashard, who John Gruden uh, just started praising Jalen Rashard out of nowhere, saying that he could go run for 1,000 yards and receive for 1,000 yards in a season. Jalen Rashard had 11 rushes, his most last week. So someone who's on the up and up on his team, and he's been – Productive in the past, so someone to keep an eye on there as well. All right, let's get into our turkey day games. Yes, what? the best, the best, uh, the best, the three F's. That's what I call them, right? Football, food, fancy, family, and family. Oh, uh, they said fancy. I thought you were gonna say fancy. Real oh, quick though, you guys yeah. make fun of me all the time when I said that. Is is there a thing? Are there like just supposed to be turkeys roaming around Boston. Because look, dude, when I went to Boston, I went to Boston this past week for a couple days, just for as like a mini vacation type thing. And we were walking to our car and we just see a turkey in the middle of the road. We're like, oh shit, look at the turkey. We take a picture. Right? So we park, we go out, we come back, we start walking back. The same exact spot, there's like four turkeys. We're like, oh shit. Why are there so many turkeys here? The next day after we wake up to walk back to our car, there's like eight turkeys just spread around the same block in the same spot where we saw the other turkeys. I really think there's someone just like hoarding turkeys, like going to sell them for Thanksgiving or something. But it was so strange just on a regular city block in Boston. Yo, that's just a story you tell to everyone on Thanksgiving, all of our family members. It's riveting. That's a great story. <laughs> anyway. That's, uh, that's a great story. I, I fell asleep for a second. What are you guys, what were you guys talking about? Turkey. I'll just play with you, Michael. But there are peacocks roaming around by the Statue of Liberty. You know, sometimes, I can't well, sometimes strange birds just roam around. Uh, speaking of strange birds, uh, neither – no, they're – damn it. I, I could have done it. Almost, so much, almost. But it's the Bears and the Lions. Uh, they are going at it in a classic, classic Thanksgiving game. Nothing says Thanksgiving like the Bears at the Lions. Um so my first question now, let's get into the Bears. They're the away team. Let's get into them first. My first question with the Bears is they go from playing the Sunday night game to an away game the short week in Detroit. Does that turnaround affect any of the fantasy players? To be yeah. honest, I think it might. Uh, for some, It might just be a gut feeling, but I'm not super high on the Bears this week. What it is – well, first of all, Trubisky was a did not play at practice today. There's actually a chance he misses the game. Yeah, if that's injury. the case, are we starting any Bears players confidently? No. No, right? I, I feel like it the most, because it should be a closer game, it helps the running backs a little more if Trubisky misses time, but I'm not trusting any of the wide receivers with Chase Daniel at quarterback. Remember when oh, Chase Daniel was like the the big signing by the Eagles and everyone was excited about Chase Daniel? Yeah, but let, let's assume health for now. Uh, Trubisky, I'm going to throw out there. He's been like the quarterback six on the season. Yeah, or stop farting, bro. In recent weeks. What did you say? The stop farting. There was a motorcycle noise. Because just go. Yay, yay, yay. Bro, not good. Not <laughs> good. Okay, where was I? Uh... Yeah, basically the only time Trubisky hasn't been a QB one in recent weeks was last week against Minnesota, and then a few weeks and against Buffalo when they yeah because they beat Buffalo forty one to nine. So he's basically 
a safe quarterback one option. Uh, Detroit's defense is not one that's scary. So if Trubisky plays, I'm going to roll him out there with a little bit of um, caution because of his injury to his arm. Let's not forget that Trubisky was the number one overall quarterback the last time he played the Lions. Um, he's been playing well. He's been on fire. Uh, I'm a little worried about that injury, but what can you do? Let's talk about let's talk about those Bears players, though. Let's say Trubisky does play. Um, Anthony Miller has emerged as one of his favorite guys. He caught another touchdown uh, in this game. Well, how do you guys feel about Anthony Miller going forward? He's currently averaging the, the largest separation of any wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, uh, Anthony Miller has been pretty solid the past few weeks, and he would definitely have the best matchup of all Bears receivers this week. Darius Slay is back. He's expected to line up against A-Rob. And A-Rob isn't really I, – I, I don't see A-Rob having a really big day against Darius Slay. He, he, he's had that one big game. He had a huge game against the Lions, right? It was against the Lions without Darius Slay. But now Darius Slay is back. I don't see him repeating that by any means. So I think Anthony Miller is going to have a big chance to have a big game. I just – I still – I'm still going to think of him more as a wide receiver three this game than anything higher than that because I, uh, I just can't trust the Bears on this short of a week. I know it's – you don't want to – the schedule. Sunday – night game ends at say just make believe it ends 12 a.m all right they literally have sunday monday tuesday wednesday that's it and then their first game thursday not even sunday you included sunday just monday tuesday wednesday yeah i included sunday monday tuesday wednesday and that's it and then just thursday to, go, to go into detroit on a team that just played very well against carolina and shocked the carolina panthers their defense has been their run defense has been a lot better with snacks harrison and deshaun hand clogging up the middle and now Darius Slay back. Their secondary looked a lot better last week against Carolina. I just I don't I don't really like any Bears players too much in this game. I also want to throw some caution to the wind with Anthony Miller. I've been talking about all year how him and Gabriel basically cannibalize each other's targets. And just when you thought Anthony Miller was taking that step up as uh, the number two guy behind a Rob, Gabriel led the team in targets last week, and Miller. Only had two catches. Basically got bailed out by a touchdown or else we'd be talking about how he had a down week. So I prefer Miller of the two. He has the best matchup. So that's something to uh, keep in mind. But if Gabriel continues to see the targets that Miller was seeing a few games ago, that's going to be a problem. I think people are putting a little too much stock in this. At the end of the day, the difference between them playing the Sunday night game and them playing the 4 o'clock window is four hours. So... Are we going to overanalyze someone who played in the 4 o'clock window? No. It's just because it's the primetime game. I think people are taking it a little too hard. But the, the, the things that you guys are saying about the defensive matchups, now you have a, now you have a point. Uh, Allen Robinson went crazy against Detroit, but that was not against Darius Slade. Darius Slade was not in the game. Uh, his return is a big deal. And Snacks Harrison is much better with the run. Uh, we haven't mentioned their running game yet. Let's, let's talk about – so we mentioned all their wide receivers. Let's talk about the running game and the tight end. Trey Burton has been up and down. you got to play him if you have him, so we don't have to spend much time on him. But let's talk about – Do um, you? I mean, if, you are, if you're a Trey Burton owner, you spend the high draft capital on him. If I'm a Trey Burton owner and I've seen what he's done the last few weeks, putting up three, nine, eight, and 1, I'm spending some fab on Cameron Bray. Without a doubt, yeah. So, if, I mean, if you have another option like Cameron Bray, where would you rank Traber in this week? How many tight ends would you take over him this week? Well, I, it's only Tuesday. I haven't done rankings yet, so I can't give you that answer. But it's probably yeah, yeah, going to yeah. be in the back end one range. Yeah, yeah sure. So, you know, he's a tight end one, so most people who have him are playing him. If you have a better option, go with it. But, you know, you got to play him. we got to play him. Uh, but the running game, let's talk about that. Jordan Howard, uh, again, continues to be the bruiser. And Tariq Cohen, again, continues to be the outside uh gadgety slash i don't know th that kind of player you know what i'm talking about um which one of those guys do you prefer this week or would you are you excited about either of them so uh there's a lot basically everywhere i've looked so far i've seen uh jordan howard ranked higher than terry cohen i'm not gonna be that way i think terry cohen is definitely a better play than jordan howard this week this seems like a jordan howard-esque game where the Bears should lead and he should keep ground, just ground and pound the whole game. But the last two weeks, the Lions 
the last time the Bears played the Lions, the Lions held them to 36 yards on 19 rush attempts. And then last week against Carolina, they held them to 54 yards on 14 rush attempts. But what they, the, but where they've been getting beat has been on the through the air by the running backs. Two weeks ago, seven receptions for 40 yards, and then last week, six receptions for 57 yards. So the running backs are having more of an impact out of the backfield passing rather than rushing. So I think Terry Cohen is in line for a pretty solid game, especially if Trubisky's shoulder is actually hurt and it hinders his performance at all. They'll probably draw up more screens for Cohen. I would not be surprised to see him get eight targets this game. So I prefer Cohen over Howard. I think Cohen's a solid low-end RB2. I think Howard is going to be more of a flex territory play. I actually am going to side with Michael here. I feel like this is going to be more of a Terry Cohen game. Uh, if Trubisky's arm is hurting him a bit, it's going to be smarter to use short passes. If Chase Daniels, the quarterback, he's probably going to want to uh, utilize three Cohen more uh, quarterbacks with not a lot of experience or quarterbacks, honestly, just that aren't that good, like to use running backs and tight ends because they're easier throws. So I think that Cohen is, uh, he, he got bailed out by a short touchdown last time in Detroit. Both running backs weren't great plays. I'm going to side with Cohen again. I think that Howard, this is a, this is one of his 15 carries, 30-yard games, I see, unless he finds the end zone. I'm with, I'm with you on that one. Tim, you're on mute, mute bro. <laughs> uh, what, I, what I was saying while I was muted was, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you guys. I, I prefer Tariq in this one. Um, let's go over to the Lions. Uh, Matthew Stafford continues to be a giant disappointment. If you can avoid playing him, please do. Uh, on Johnson is out uh, for sure. So that leaves two guys in the backfield, Garrett Blunt and Theo Riddick. Uh, how do you guys feel? We talked about them a little bit on the pregame. I like Theo Riddick's chances, but for the most part, I think if you have a running back against the Bears defense, don't expect much no matter what. I am going Bill style here, and I'm saying besides Galladay, sit your lines. The Bears are a very intimidating matchup. Uh, Stafford hasn't passed 18 points since week four. There's no way you're starting him. The fact that he hasn't passed 18 points since week four also means that there's not that many points to go around. Uh, second in targets last week was Bruce Ellington with six or seven. He's new to the team. Can't trust him out of the slot right now to put up numbers. I, I, on the outside, Riddick out of the slot. He's been working there. So Riddick is the interesting play. I prefer him in full PPR. I'm not really touching him in any other type of league because he's been working out of the slot. So carry on Johnson missing time might not actually mean more work for Riddick unless they decide to pass a little more or put him in the backfield a little bit. But I don't think it gives him that much of a bump. I just feel like LeGarrette Blount's going to get some carries and uh, plot his way into the line for two-yard gains. So I don't want to touch anyone besides Galladay, who's had 14 targets last week and 10 second-half targets after Marvin Jones left the game two weeks ago. Agreed. I agree with you on that. Yeah, the Bears have only, besides the Dolphins game in week six, the highest rushing total against them, and the Patriots who put up 98 rushing yards, the highest rushing total against them have been week 10, the Lions, 67 rushing yards. So their rush defense is lethal. I do think Theo Riddick is a, is a volume-based low-end RB2 flex play, though, just because of his pass-catching work as well. Uh, running backs average just under six receptions a game against the Chicago Bears. And they have four receiving touchdowns, despite only one rushing touchdown, which fits the Theo Riddick mold as well. I do not like LeGarrette Blunt by any means, or Zach Zenner, who's probably going to get a couple carries. I don't see them finding the end zone. So I think Theo Riddick, volume-based, could be a low-end RB2 if he finds the end zone. More of a flex play, though, because he should be able to get at least 10 touches in the game. Let's move on to our next game. Uh, Alex Smith, the Alex Smith-less Redskins. Uh, take on the Cowboys and start with the Redskins. Alex Smith goes down. Colt McCoy comes in. Looks kind of all right, um, but and makes the game-winning touchdown throw to an old friend, Jordan Reed, who came alive seven for 71 and a touchdown. Um, let's go to Jordan Reed first. Do you believe that the return of the addition of Colt McCoy is the return of Jordan Reed? So I decided to get a little uh, frisky today. I was feeling like Tim a little bit. And I decided to look back at what the last time Colt McCoy started a game. And that was, of course, for the Redskins back in 2014. That was the last time that he started like a significant number of games. He started four games that year. Jordan Reed was his tight end. 
In those games, Jordan Reed caught five catches, seven catches, nine catches, and then three in a game where the team put up zero. So I know this is very long ago, four years ago, but it's really all we have to work with with Colt McCoy. He hasn't thrown a pass the last two years. He likes Jordan Reed. I would even if Jordan Reed wasn't his tight end, I would have looked back to see this because a lot of mediocre quarterbacks like using their tight end. They're safer throws, easier throws. Jordan Reed had 11 targets last week with McCoy throwing the ball. So what I'm seeing is he likes to use his tight end. Jordan Reed is the tight end he's going to use. So I'm using Jordan Reed again. If Jordan Reed is available, I agree. I literally, my notes on Jordan Reed this week were literally Jason's words. Uh, everything that I was thinking he said, uh, except he went in depth and actually saw what Cole McCoy did. Uh, I just know that back quarterback still throwing to their tight end, so I just hung my head on that. I start Jordan Reed in one of our, our leagues, um, and I'm looking forward to a bump up in production. If Jordan Reed is on your wire, try and get him. Let's go over to the rest of the passing game, though. Trey Quinn uh, comes in with the most catches, uh, four for 49. It's, it's the revolving door of receivers in in Washington never ends. As Josh, Josh Doxson does his Josh Doxson thing, three for 32. Michael Floyd, one for 18. Maurice Harris, one for 13. A whole bunch of Redskins numbers. Um, are you interested in anybody against the Cowboys secondary? It's been pretty good. So Trey Quinn is actually a, an undrafted rookie who led his conference in receptions, touchdowns, and yards. And he still went undrafted, but the Redskins like him a lot. He stepped in. Maurice Harris is basically irrelevant now with Trey Quinn back. Trey Quinn is probably actually, despite only this being his second game in the NFL, my favorite of the bunch because uh, Josh Doxson will be lined up against Byron Jones for most of the game. And then the other receivers on that team, I mean, you just said Michael Floyd. Like, he hasn't been relevant in years. And when he does get on the field, he drops passes and he just, he's not someone you want to trust. So Trey Quinn is my favorite of the bunch, but he's. I mean, like a middling flex play. I wouldn't trust any of the receivers this week against the Cowboys. I Colt McCoy, though, I do think he's interesting. If you're in one of those leagues where people stash quarterbacks, he could be a bi-week fill in this week because of his uh, running prowess. He had 45 rushing yards last week in in one half. So that's something there, I keep in mind. There you go. So you'd rather start a guy – who had 45 rushing yards and a guy who had 112. <laughs> Colt McCoy has shown in the past that he could at least throw a football, though. Lamar let's Jackson looks terrible. Years. All right. Uh, let's go to someone that you actually might consider starting for real. Adrian Peterson, 16 for 51. He's been slowing down as his, as his legs look like they're tiring down. But he did have two, did have two touchdowns. It, it's Basically, if the Redskins are going to get in the – in in the end zone, it's going to be Adrian Peterson. And I think he's going to be a touchdown-dependent guy. Um, Low end RB two is my is my prediction for uh, Adrian Peterson. The rest of the way this week should be no different. What, how do you guys feel about Adrian Peterson? Yeah, when it comes to AP, everyone who ranks him high, it just it's kind of confusing to me. Who ranks him super high because he is super touchdown dependent, and this is not a great matchup. The Cowboys have allowed four rushing touchdowns as a whole on the season, and only two receiving touchdowns running backs on the season. So it's not an easy task. They've only allowed teams to run for over 100 yards against them twice this year as well. So they've been a very stout defense all year. So I don't love the matchup. I do like the fact that AP now is Colt McCoy a quarterback, which means he'll probably get 20 carries, which gives him a better shot at finding the end zone, which makes him a lower-end RB2 in my book. You could trust him there because of his volume, but he's not someone I'm super excited about. Yeah, last time he played Dallas, he had 24 rushing attempts for 99 rushing yards. You should expect more of the same. A lot of carries with Colt McCoy, a quarterback, uh, in what should be a close game. It's not like the Cowboys are blowing anyone out. So I think what was encouraging last week was that he scored touchdowns while the Redskins were down. That's not something we've seen this year. He's still a very touchdown-dependent option. He could easily give you eight points with 80 yards and no catches. But... I mean, he should see the volume in this game, and when you bet on AP is when he's going to see volume. So if you have him and you've been using him as an RB2 every now and then, this is probably a week to use him as a RB2, albeit back end. I, I do like uh, more guys over him. Let's go over to the Dallas side of the ball. 
Uh, kind of shit in the bed was Dak Prescott and everyone's love for him last week as a streamer. Um, are you kind of done with Dak Prescott at this point? Uh, I can see I can see using him again as a back end QB one. Uh, there's probably better options out there, but if you're in a league where people like rostering two or three quarterbacks for no reason at all, like one of our well, not anymore, but one of our leagues earlier in the year, people had like two or three quarterbacks, and we were like, what are you guys doing? But then the only guys on waivers were terrible people. So in that case, Dak Prescott could be used uh, even in not as extreme cases. He has a rushing touchdown in four of the last five games. Washington's allowed over 300 passing yards in three straight weeks before last against Watson, who has been struggling a little bit. So he does have a high floor. If you're starting Dak Prescott, you're probably going to get at least 14 points. Odds are you're not going to get 25 points. So you're going to get something in between that. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott has finally become Ezekiel Elliott. And Ezekiel owners rejoice. He put up 35 and a half PPR last week. It was so good. Um, it seems like the Cowboys have finally figured it out. Give Zeke the ball and you have a better chance to win. This is the winning formula. Jason Kerr wants to keep his job. Is there any reason to expect that Zeke doesn't have a big game against the Redskins? Yeah, I think Zeke has a pretty big game this weekend. The Redskins had they, – they were talked up as a very stout run defense when they got through those, like, four or five-game stretch where they held Barkley, McCaffrey, uh, Zeke to, like, 20 yards each or something of that sort. But the last – two of the last three weeks, they've allowed over 130 rushing yards. They've also – Average. They've also given up 19 receptions to running backs over the last three weeks, which is over six a game. So I think this is lining up great for Zeke on a short week to uh, just pound the ball for the Cowboys and get a ton of work. Jason? Jason's Jason? muted. Jason's muted. We got today. What I said was basically useless anyway. I said we're talking about Zeke here. You don't need my opinion, too. You guys already said it. Amari Cooper uh, finally came back down to earth last week. Finally, finally came down back to – okay, I'm, I'm addressing this right now. Finally came back down to earth. This scrub ass put up 14 and 10 in his other two games. People are acting like he's the new reincarnation of Michael Irvin or some shit. He put up 14 and 10 when he was being force-fed the ball. They, don't, they finally don't force-feed him, and he puts up five. This is Amari Cooper. Hey, Done. I'm out. Yeah, I mean that's 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 about it, man. This is what Amari Cooper does, and uh, he just continues to do it. With that being said, he does have a shot at a big play this week if he's not lined up with Josh Norman because all other Josh Norman, even Josh Norman's been beatable. Josh Norman has been very solid this year, though, compared especially compared to the other corners on the Redskins. But Clinton Dix and Swearinger are also beasts to stop the big plays from happening. So not much love for Cooper this week. He's basically a volume-based wide receiver three because he shouldn't see targets. All right. Um, anyone else on this Cowboys offense that you'd like to discuss? Or let's talk about the defense too. Would you start either of these defenses? I think Dallas' defense is a good play this week. Dallas' defense doesn't really get turnovers, which is why I never play them. I think they have double digits like once this year, so – I'm not interested in them. Uh, the Redskins' defense is pretty solid. I'd, I'd prefer them. Jason? Uh, I guess. They'll get some sacks. If you want, like, four to eight points from your defense, you start Dallas. That's about it. I feel like the same thing with Washington. Both these teams, they're going to play run. Uh, they're going to play run first offense. They're going to try to control the tempo. There's not going to be a lot of possessions. We saw yesterday that even when teams put up a lot of points, a lot of possessions means a lot of room for turnovers and uh, pick sixes and fumble sixes. This is going to be the complete opposite. So I would rather not start these defenses. Just so you uh, get an idea about the Bears defense, because I forgot to mention this before, the Bears defense would be tight end six if they were in the tight end pool this year. Uh, can't make that up. Let's go to our final game, the Falcons at the Saints in what should be and what people are calling a shootout. I, I'm, I'm not so sure. Uh, let's talk about the Falcons first. This Saints defense has been fantastic uh, the last two weeks, and this Falcons offense has sputtered at every single point, uh, putting up only 16 and 19 after, putting, after everyone thought their 
offense is going to light the world up. Here's what me and Michael are going to fight because we always fight about this. Matt Ryan, uh, 291, one touchdown, one interception, and a tantrum on the sidelines. Um, what do you guys think about Matt Ryan this week? Uh, so I'm actually probably not going to fight with you too much hey! this week. I do think Matt Ryan. Yeah. Join the dark side, Michael. Join the dark side. You're you're pushing it. <laughs> I do think Matt Ryan is a solid mid QB one this week, but I see him easily top five. Where like everywhere I'm looking, I just don't see that at all. The Saints defense has been top notch of late, and Matt Ryan just he's gonna he's gonna have a lot of opportunities. But the Saints defense that the last two weeks they've allowed less than 200 passing yards, only one passing touchdown total. Their defense is looking completely revamped, and they're ten and one. They're riding a hot streak. It's a short week for the Falcons. I just don't see Matt Ryan having a huge game. As I think his ceiling is a little lower than usual. Yeah, I'm gonna piggyback Michael. If you look at the last seven quarterbacks to face the Saints, uh, I think it's seven. Uh, two of them put up fourteen point seven, followed by nineteen point fifty six, then twenty one, then thirty. Then 20, when that was mostly Jeff Driscoll running when he replaced Andy Dalton. And then 3.84 from Carson Wentz. So basically, the only slam dunk quarterback one option there was 30.34. So if we're talking about the Saints defense, they're much improved. Matt Ryan's on the road. He's failed to pass 21 points in three of his last four games. Two of those were at home. So in favorable matchups, he's been failing to produce uh, mid to high end quarterback one numbers. So this is definitely a – this could be a disappointing day for Matt Ryan. The thing he has going for him is the fact that the Saints are putting up 50 every week. So they could just start airing it out early. Best offensive – one of the best offensive lines in football, one of the best weapons in football, and this offense can't even muster 19 points. It's such a shame. Uh, let's go to the Russian game. Tevin Coleman, um, again, mediocre as hell. Edo Smith, uh, um, are you excited about starting either of these running backs against a Saints defense that you know has been good against the run all year? Man, Tevin Coleman is entering that territory of player that every time I hear his name, I just get really angry. <laughs> Tevin yo, Coleman, more like Tevin. Oh, man. Right? Wow. Like, this dude was being drafted between the seventh and eighth round basically all offseason, and me and Jason were just – you too, Tim. We were just completely mind-boggled. Why people are drafting a backup running back that high just because it was a contract year. Like, and it was a perfect storm for him this year, too. Devontae Freeman played like a game and a half, and he's still been trash. He's had like two good games the whole season. He's basically been a volume-based low-end running back to the whole year. It just he's he's super frustrating, but he's also gonna have a terrible game this week. These things. <laughs> you know when you say you say something opposite. No. <laughs> the Saints uh, gave up 76 rushing yards to the Buccaneers week one, and that was the only time any team passed 70 rushing yards against them. They've given up – and they've only given up uh, f- 41 passing yards to the air to running backs as well. So, I mean, they're averaging all-purpose all running backs less than 100 yards against the Saints. And That's 41 yards game. game, not 41 yards total, right? <laughs> and you also got to yeah. keep in mind – Ido Smith is playing just enough where he can't be a standalone player, but he's also taking away value from Coleman. Tevin Coleman seeing eight touches. I mean, Ido Smith seeing eight touches the last two weeks. If you look at Tevin Coleman's touches the last few weeks, it's 11, 13, 18, 14, and 11. So he's basically settling in around the 13 range. Yo, 13 touches against the best run defense in the league? I don't want that. Uh. Let's go over to the side. I mean, Julio Jones is a must play, uh, although he is getting Marshawn Lattimore, which is a hard matchup, but you got to play Julio Jones. As for, the rest of, Bradbury. <laughs> As for the rest of the pass catchers, uh, Muhammad Sanu, Calvin Ridley. The shine has come off Calvin Ridley real quick for all those people that spent like 50 to 70 fab on him, those crazy numbers that were being sent in to us. Uh, congratulations, you played yourself, as Ebro says. Uh, Calvin Ridley, Austin Hooper, Muhammad Sanu, are, it's even Tevin Coleman out of the backfield. Is there any of these guys that you're interested in? Well, last time Calvin Ridley played the Saints, he went for 140 yards and three touchdowns, albeit that was a completely different Saints team. Completely. But it does 
make you at least in a shootout potential game makes him an interesting option. I, th- I still think he's a solid wide receiver, high-end wide receiver three this week just because of his upside. I know he hasn't been producing great as of late, and his targets really aren't superb, but he's in a – he's in a with all, with the – with the Chiefs and the uh, the fucking the Rams on by, there are a lot of great wide receivers out. So Calvin Ridley's probably gonna have to find his way into someone's lineup. I All right, prefer, I prefer yeah. Austin Hooper here as a potential player outside of Julio Jones. Uh, he saw eight targets last week. That's the worst game he's had in the last few weeks. He still saw eight targets. That's something you want from a tight end. And then if you look at his uh, scoring this year. His best games have come on the road, and that makes sense because, as we've mentioned often, backup quarterbacks, uh, mediocre quarterbacks, they like throwing to the tight ends. And on the road, Matt Ryan is a mediocre quarterback. He looks for his tight end more. So Austin Hooper, I think, is a decent tight end play this week. I don't like Austin Hooper at all. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to lean on the side of don't play Hooper. The but same never, Hooper also just is – you can never – he, he can shit – Bag your team so hard with a two for fourteen. I just I I try and stay away. Fucking all tight ends, That's not true. named Arch, Kelsey, and Kittle. The Saints locked down tight ends though. So, um, let's go over to our last team of the week. Uh, they are facing a team that over the last three years has been notorious for not being able to defend running backs out of the backfield, and they're getting Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, the two best in the game at coming out of the backfield. I'm starting both these guys. They might be my running back number one and two this week if I had to rank them out. I'm, I'm not even joking. This this is the That's perfect statement. That's a, this You're is mad perfect I think that I could see like I could see Mark Ingram going for like 140 and a touchdown, and and Kamara catching two touchdowns. I like I could see it. You're sure. you're a funny guy. What? Well, I mean, with that being I, said, I do like both of them. To say they're going to be one and two is pretty nuts. Stop looking I, at us like that. As if they didn't finish one and four last year. Like you guys are acting like this is unprecedented. It's not. All right, fine. I'm going to actually talk about them now. Uh, Mark Ingram, <laughs> like a lot of Saints players, his best games have come at home. Two of his three home games, he's put up over 20 points. The Falcons are allowing the third most points to running backs. And then if we look at touches, uh, Mark Ingram saw 10 touches in one game since he came back. His next lowest is 14. So I'm taking. 14 touches against his Atlanta Falcons defense at home. I prefer him to Tevin Coleman. I think that Ingram is going to be a good RB2 play this week. And then Kamara, of course, is a RB1 high end. Yeah, um, basically with Jason here, the Falcons are so bad against the running back. They're, they're allowing 95 rushing yards and 68 receiving yards to running backs on a per-game basis this year, as, as well as almost one-and-a-half touchdowns per game to running backs. So... It's clearly the best case scenario for any running back. So Kamara and Ingram are both going to eat this week, especially Kamara. If you're like in the first spot and you're just like killing the league and you're just murdering everyone and you're playing someone that's had more chance of beating you, pick up Taysom Hill and just start with your quarterback just, just to be a dick. Uh, but besides, let's go to players that you're actually going to be starting. Uh, Michael Thomas is an absolute must start, obviously. Let's talk about Traquan Smith. Jason, the rule. Oh boy, Blue. Traquan at home, he starts. Is it any different in this game against one of the worst passing defenses in the NFL? Absolutely not. It's as simple as that. I uh, I went back to look at the numbers of Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith this year and laid them out. So I'm going to go through it. Ted Ginn and Traquan Smith in Saints road games this year. Uh, when Ted Ginn was healthy, I'm using his numbers. When he got hurt, I'm using Smith's numbers. It's not combined. Ted Ginn put up 10 one Six and three on the road. And then Ted Ginn and Smith put up 18, 5, 25, 9, and 27 at home. They are a whoever it is, it's now Smith, wide receiver 2 3, 2 actually when they're at home, and unstartable on the road. I, I don't know why I'm the only person on earth that seems to realize this, but I am starting Smith happily this week. Jason, yeah. you honestly. You preached that gospel to me last week, and I kept Traquan Smith on my team after he shit the betting on me zero in my lineup the week before, and I'm very happy I did. The, no, kid. There's no one else out there. Is, <laughs> I, I listen to a lot of sports podcasts. I listen to, like, 
you know, four fantasy podcasts because you gotta you gotta hear the competition and you gotta hear what's up. And these guys are good at their job as well. So I try to learn as much as I can while also like calling them an idiot sometimes in my head. And a lot of them were saying drop Draquan Smith, drop Drake Draquan Smith. And if you wanna if you wanna know how much confidence I have in Jason's opinion on this stuff, uh, I listened to all these experts telling me to drop Draquan Smith, and I had him in my starting lineup because Jason said that he was a good play. Um, uh, is there anyone else you want to talk about in this game? I think that's about it, no? I can just touch on, uh, I don't know if people are still starting him, but Benjamin Watson, his targets the last four games have been 0, 4, 2, and 0, so you can't be starting him either. Yeah, oh, he doesn't. Did we even talk about Drew Brees? I mean, it goes without saying that you start yeah. Drew Brees. You sure. absolutely start Drew Brees, for sure, 100%, every time he's at home. And this year, it's, it's even the case on the road. So yeah, he's on real, yo. MVP. Yeah. Auto start. Um, so that's it. We're going to have a short episode, but we always fail at doing that. Um, Jason, where can they find you? At Jason Petrop. Michael, where can they find you? Uh, real quick, since I'm a man of my word, I, uh, in the Brodo League fancy football chat, I made a bet with one of the members that the Vikings would beat the Bears on Sunday, and I lost that bet, so now I have to shout her out. At Jessica Cools beat me in that bet, guys, so go follow her. <laughs> yeah, Jess has been a uh, has been down since day one with the VM and Brodo movement. So we appreciate you out there, Jessica. We also appreciate you humbling Michael. Uh, he's, been very, he's been very good at fantasy this week, this year, and it, every chance we get to humble Michael, we take advantage of it. Technically, um, she didn't beat me in a fantasy bet. It was a real life football bet. <laughs> but after you follow her, follow me at Mike underscore Patrop. And from all of us, Patrop's brothers, we want to wish you and your family. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, take the time and really realize what you're thankful for and the people around you and how they make you feel and how lucky you are to have them because not everyone has that. So please enjoy your holiday. Uh, we will be back to you with our normally scheduled programming um, for the weekly. So uh, enjoy this until then. And uh, you can follow us at Brodo Fantasy for everything up and coming. Uh, towards the games, and you can follow me at Tim Petrop on all social media outlets, but only if you're feeling frisky. Real, real, real frisky. Dropping a uh, new NFL wrap up, uh, but until then, uh, wrap your family members up tight and hugs and Thanksgiving, and enjoy the food, enjoy the football, and we will see you soon. Peace out. Gobble gobble.